This is Belonging, a podcast that explores being alive in the age of loneliness. I'm your host, Becca Piastrelli, and I mentor space holders, kin keepers, and circle facilitators to be catalysts for belonging in their communities while also generously resourcing themselves at the same time. I am also a mother and land steward of a farm on the ancestral lands of the Mohican people in the present day Hudson Valley of New York. In this podcast, I explore topics like cultivating meaningful community, seasonal and cyclical living, ritual and rites of passage, and what it means to be a good ancestor in these times. I have thought-provoking conversations with friends, teachers, and elders to help support you in reorienting your life towards a legacy of regeneration and reconnection that breathes life into future generations. I also pop in here and there to share updates and learnings from my own story, because we were meant to do this together, cosmically holding hands as we walk the spiral of life. You can expect to be challenged by new or old ideas, face your beliefs and what systems informed them, get curious and brave to tell the truth about the deeper, harder things, and feel comforted in the knowing that you don't have to navigate it all alone. For show notes and links mentioned in these episodes, and to sign up for Slow and Seasonal, my once-in-a-while email newsletter, head to BeccaPiastrelli.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Belonging Podcast. It's your host, Becca Piastrelli, here with a solo episode for you this week, answering a question. I got on Instagram, I've gotten various forms of this question and also I can like feel people asking me this question or wondering. And so I thought I would answer. So the question is, hey Becca, what are some lessons that you have learned over the past year? And this one person wrote, it seems like you've lived a lot of life. Hmm seems like I've lived a lot of life. I mean, I I guess I have. Yes, yes. I'd say over, let's just say 2023, a lot occurred for me, but I'd say that's true of every year. And perhaps there's something visible for people in the way I present myself on social media, which is probably where this person was seeing that. And also because I was a bit more private on social media last year and on the podcast too. I I stopped releasing episodes halfway through the year so I can understand why some folks are like, what's going on over there? I'm nosy too. And also I feel like it's a love language to be tracking me. So thanks for tracking me. So I thought, hmm, what are some lessons I learned over the past year? I'm recording this at the very end of January, so I feel like I'm still in that like end of year winter reflection portal. I'm one of those people who doesn't really feel like the year starts until the quickening of the earth and the melting of the snow. I respect whatever y'all got going on as far as goals and intentions and Gregorian calendars and pagan calendars and whatever it is, but that's where I'm at, where I don't really feel clarity on moving forward until like March or April to be honest. And now I live in a place that has like deep winter. So I'm betting it'll probably be more like April, May. So I'm realizing just talking out loud right now that in striving to live more seasonally in a place that has like a longer sense of winter, as opposed to where I came from, San Francisco Bay Area of California, 
hot in winter, but like it's the end of January right now. And I see my friends posting pictures of like the camellias in bloom and sunny hikes by the beach. And it's like, oh yeah, I think that could wake up the blood and the cells and just like maybe more creative energy and more, I don't know, production energy earlier. Hmm. Always curious how everyone's body works, but I digress. I am still in reflection mode on a snowy day beautiful snowy day here in the Hudson Valley. Spent the morning walking in like ankle deep snow with Atlas, my child, and tending to the animals in the barn and looking out over the lake where we had a really intense wild animal experience where it looks as though a scuffle between a coyote and a deer happened on the shore of the lake. We live, um, we have a lake that feeds into a watershed, a water wetland, excuse me, that also feeds into a <laughs> creek. And so we named this place Three Waters Farm. And the lake is frozen right now. And it looks like there was a scuffle on the shores of the lake. And the deer got pretty good in its hindquarters, but escaped onto the ice in the lake and there met its end. And it looks as though the coyote did not chance the lake and the deer was pretty far in the center of the lake, had perished, had died. And laying there as an, just the blessing of food for the ecosystem around it during what is probably the hardest time of year for animals to get food, the depth of winter. So that happened a few days ago. And Atlas and I have been going out to check out the process of decomposition. And also the bald eagles are eating it. And I can see little tracks of other animals, maybe coyote, maybe fox, we're wondering, going out and having some of it and talking about death with my three-year-old, which is interesting experience. I don't think she's quite understanding, but just honoring that it's got its place in things and also processing my own shock in this whole rewilding process. If you listen to the last episode, you know I'm like working on it, working on the real deal somatic embodied experience of rewilding here on this farm in a much more rural, wilder place than I came from. So having this dead deer on a frozen lake right in front of us feels like winter medicine and um, it's intense. It's really intense. So this morning went on a winter walk in the snow with Atlas and had a little deer check-in and honoring of that. And so today, let me answer these questions. Wow. I can't go on tangents, but maybe that's why you're here. I have come up with three things I've learned over the past year. And they're nothing new to my brain, to my heart, to my nervous system. I'm not saying anything that feels like, okay, y'all, this is something new. And I never thought about it before. But this is the whole idea that life is a spiral. And as we sort of ascend, if you like that idea of ascending, of moving along the spiral, you're going to come back to the parts of the spiral again and again, but you'll be on a different level. I'm finding that I'm hitting these same quadrants of the spiral. And if I'm not 
well-resourced, I could think, uh-oh, I'm backsliding. But I am well-resourced in this moment. I've got my tea. I've got the snow calming my nervous system. I've had a decent night's sleep where I'm like, oh, yeah, huh, new level, new level of the spiral. So let me share the three things I learned over the past year. Number one, I can do anything, but I can't do everything. (laughs) Right? I can do anything, but I can't do everything. So I am someone who has, I'm just going to refer to human design because that works for me. So in my human design, I'm known as a manifesting generator. What this means to me is I have a generator in me. I have this ability to make things happen. I just need to be lit up. I just need to be motivated. And this could be anything from like reorganizing my sock drawer to coming back with this podcast, which is what I did, to creating a Pinterest board, to deciding to deep clean all my water bottles. Like if something really lights me up, I'm going to do it and I have the energy to do it. I'm also multi-passionate. I also have ADHD. So there's a lot of things I want to do. And my brain is always coming up with new things I want to do. And my brain doesn't even capture the list. So I have lists in different places. I have lists on Notion on my laptop. I have lists on my reminders on my phone. I have lists on my notes app on my phone. I have lists in my journal. I have lists in my other journal. And um, I'm not making myself wrong for that. That's how I work. And the sneaky, sneaky part of it is I live in this culture, this culture of production, of productivity, of treating our bodies like robots that don't have seasons, cycles, and downtimes, and, um, you know, just animal needs and children and, and responsibilities. And so I can often run into the disappointment of not being able to accomplish everything. And it's such a silly experience for me. Silly, the right word. I mean, I, I used to say devastating, but I, now I'm just like, Oh, it's happening again. I'm like competing with my to-do list in a way that overrides what my body needs. And also a, a thing about human design for generating manifesting generators is we can often generate in the wrong direction. And that's when burnout happens. That's when resentment happens. That's when confusion and frustration happens. And so I'm trying to scan for, this is actually one of my, this is my third tip. So here's a foreshadow. I'm always scanning for what is actually the right direction to generate in. But here's something that really got clear for me over the last year is I have a much more limited capacity since I had my child, since the pandemic, since my body went through a lot of things, my nervous system went through a lot of things, I don't think I'm alone actually in this, like at all. And I am really trying to not make myself wrong or bad for being in a moment of my life, a season of life, where my capacity is much more limited. It's why I closed my membership hearth fire. It's why I work with a lot less people. It's why I work less, which I have the ability to do because I have partner privilege. My partner also makes an income. And also it's like, I will not be okay if I push myself. I just have a limited capacity. It's happened to me so many times 
If you listen to this podcast in 2021, where I talked about delayed postpartum rage, I talked about my the bomb that went off in my marriage, interviewed my partner about it. I've talked very openly about how I had to just be super honest with myself about my limited capacity. I also have had to contend with the fact, this one is a doozy for me, of like, I actually have a lot of jobs. I have this that I do, which is my precious work of my soul that I do not for money, because to be totally honest with you, I don't really make a lot of money here. I do it and I spend a lot on making it happen. I do it for the art. I do it for the purpose, the vision, for the mission, I call it. I do it because I'm compelled and it's for me. It's for me. Um, And it's for my ancestors who could never do their work, who never could get the education, who could never be with the partner they wanted to be with, who could never make their own money. That's why I do it. Um, So this is a job that I just said I I have to spend less time on. I'm a mother which I've learned is still is humming 24-7. Even when you have childcare, you're always mothering. And I am the primary parent in my home for many reasons. I gave birth. I am the one who responds at night. I, I'm just the one, you know, I have a less intense demanding job. I'm the primary parent and also the mental load of, I mean, the mental load of motherhood school and food and well-being and her mood and when did she last poop and snacks and grocery lists and cleaning up her room and and nighttime diapers and cleaning her humidifier and oh summer camp and just like (laughs) it takes up so much space in my brain forever it will forever the other job I have is I run all the finances for my home I am tracking it all. I pay the bills. And around here, I'm paying bills with checks. So I'm got to get stamps and mail things. I'm also, I am not solely running the renovation of our farmhouse here, but I am like the one who does the emails and says, Tim, check your email. Let's make a decision. I'm the one who's setting up the meetings. I'm the one who's again, paying the bills. We also have a farm business here and we do have support as you've, as I've shared with the farm, but also the business administration of it all Uh, and decision-making often falls on me and I have to loop Tim in. So that's another job. So I can do anything, but I can't do everything. I'm doing a lot. And I found, I think just from what I've experienced over the last several years, maybe this time of my life, I'm getting a lot better at compartmentalizing, which I used to kind of be like compartmentalizing is like unhealthy. And now I realize compartmentalizing is a beautiful coping strategy that helps us show up for a sick kid, that helps us get up in the middle of the night when something needs responding to. It it helps us survive. And what my compartmentalization is doing is sometimes I like forget and have amnesia. And I think this might be an ADHD thing too. I'm being told by my neurodivergent crew is I like literally don't remember that I have these three jobs. I forget like people will be like, how's your business? And I'll be like, I have no idea until I'm sitting down and doing it. 
or people are saying like, what's going on with the renovation? I don't know until I check my emails. Um, and I think this could be because I'm often very fatigued and with limited capacity. But my point in saying this is I can sometimes be really sneaky with myself with like, I'm not actually doing enough and I want to do more because then I have that creative part of my brain that I cherish that says another idea. And gosh, the life-giving energy of a new idea. It's just so wonderful, that feeling of a new idea that you could do. And it gets tricky because then I say yes. So if you've been here a while, you know I have a sleep on it rule before I say yes to something. And when I break that rule, I regret it. I've actually had to backtrack on saying yes to things. Not that I don't say yes. Some Oftentimes I say no, but not that I don't say yes after sleeping on something, but it's really, really important to me. I'm a, I'm a sacral authority, meaning I process things slow, 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 slow. Another thing I've made myself wrong for that I'm done with, like, yeah, I'm a slow processor. Oh, I process like at the pace of the earth. Beautiful. So yes, I have been contending with how I can feel accomplished and satiated by what I do day in, day out, what depending on the jobs I'm working, the things I'm doing. Oh, also taking care of myself. That's a job, right? Oh, and also like being in a partnership. There's so many roles I play. But I'm I've been trying to dance between this feeling of satiation and good enoughness while also navigating, especially in the self-help world, a culture of like greatness. There's like a real, I mean, I have like friends who make a lot of money off coaching you to your greatness. And I just think I'm not in a season of life to want to be in my greatness. Well, I want to be in my greatness. And I'm also contending with limited capacity, only so many hours in a day, different priorities, so that I I don't know if greatness is what I want to aspire to, but rather a feeling of satiation and good enoughness kind of wild to think about because it's really taking a look at my own self-criticisms and judgments, like the rubric by which I grade my days in life. It's very deep. So I can do anything, but I can't do everything and I'm owning it. I'm also getting over a cold, my millionth cold, and you might hear it in my voice. Hopefully it sounds sexy and not annoying for the auditorial sensitive All right, the second lesson. The big vision takes time. More time than you think. Sure, I'm sure there are exceptions to this, you know, and there are are ways in which when you have the privilege of time and money um, and connections that perhaps the big vision can be achieved quicker. But I... I'm on this planet to think about things and accomplish things in a different way. And my internal desire to rush is usually a sign that I'm generating in the wrong direction and it's time to slow down. And I know I, I teach and write about the pace of the earth. I teach and write about slowness being the antidote to a lot of our suffering. And uh, we teach what we need to learn, 
So I notice, I've noticed over the last year that I have been supremely uncomfortable with not being, quote, there yet. And I have so much compassion for the part of me that gets uncomfortable in the messy middle, in the unknown of the liminal. Sheesh, that's an inherited thing in our culture, that desire to just skip to the end. I really feel that right now as I share that with you because there are just so many ways in my life I don't want to stick it out for that desire for instant gratification. I mean, I could map that right now to phone addiction and screen addiction and the never-ending emails and feeds that are constantly moving, looking for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. The fact that we want like we want and expect two-day shipping, like there are so many ways our culture is primed for instant gratification. And my big visions have to do with this land we're on. And this land has seasons and you can only do certain things during certain times of the year, like gardening and planting and doing certain things with animals. And we want to rehabilitate the lake and we want to build certain structures. And also we have to listen to the land. We can't just impose our will. We've done that a little bit and it's bit us in the butt, you know? The bald eagles are just telling us what the bald eagles and the grandmother donkey are telling us what's what around here. And my instant gratification brain gets so frustrated with the what feels like a waiting. And I'm trying to reframe the waiting to being like actively in the growing and moving towards. I'll tell you what's really hitting this nerve for me is this renovation we are doing. So we bought a home. It was it's uh, first built in 1860. It's had many owners, many lives. Oh my gosh, the things it's seen. And um, what started as just replacing the kitchen floor that had a crack in it has turned into a full like down to the studs renovation of this house. Anyone who's renovated in any way knows, especially with old houses, knows that you just run into things. We ran into structural issues, asbestos, a chimney that was falling apart, ancient beehives that were like stuck in soffits, just so many things that have come up so that we have said, okay, well, if this is going to be a house we live in for a long time, maybe the rest of our lives, we've got to just get it down to the studs and begin again. And honor it also, like, see, like, how the house wants to move. Like, what room, what, you can't just be, like, put a room here if it, like, doesn't make sense, right? And I got really into that show Fixer Upper with Chip and Joe. If you know, you know. I was so into Fixer Upper. And I realized freaking HGTV messed with me because they redo a house in one episode. They have demo day. And then they build it. They maybe call and they go, oh, we got a plumbing issue. And they go, oh, okay, we'll up the budget a little bit. They fix the plumbing issue. All of a sudden it's ready. Joe comes in. She puts all like the bookcases in and the the pretty pillows on and like lights a candle and everyone's like, welcome to your new home. Okay, that has got to take a year longer. We're at a year and a half already. And I think, I mean, anyone I talk to who's renovating a house or building a house is like, yeah. Right. It takes a long time. Also like budget. Sometimes you just like need to wait until you make more money to do something else. So this renovation, 
is teaching me this deep, deep lesson about the pace of the earth is what we're aiming for, a slower pace. I mean, it's incredible. There's snow on the ground and they're pouring cement to build a garage right now. So I'm just like, wow, handcrafters, carpenters, construction folk, like I, I have been in awe of what it takes to build a home. And I have been in awe of my struggle with the weight and the tension with that and with so many other things in my life of saying like, okay, right now I'm not where I want to be. And yet that doesn't mean where I am is wrong, which is like maybe counter to life coach chat. But where I'm at is on the way. And can I make this messy middle? Can I make this path of tension feel easeful in some way? So that's where ritual comes in. That's where we light a candle at every meal, our little kitchen table in our cottage. That's where Tim and I are constantly asking ourselves, after we both like sort of blow off steam and say, I just wish I could move in tomorrow. We say like, okay, what is the vision again? We say this word sanctuary. This is a sanctuary. It takes time. What can we do? We go on a walk. We see the animals. We appreciate the deer carcass. We make a pot of soup, remembering what it is we're doing here. So the big vision takes time, more time than you think. Okay, the final lesson that I learned in the last year is it was important for me to get slow and quiet so that I could get clear on my highest priorities. So I've been alluding to this and basically saying the same thing in various ways uh, so far, but Something that happened to me in 2023 was the deep, deep realization that my highest priority was not my business. It wasn't working on the farm and the renovation because we were in a holding pattern. It was my health, my body. So I'm in a women's circle. I'm in five women's circles, actually. <laughs> I love it. And this women's circle meets monthly and we talk about our goals and our visions for our careers and basically our life purposes. And, and we work on implementing them at our whatever pace we do. And it's a beautiful circle of creatrixes. And for the entire year, I was like the bugaboo in that group that was like showing up to the calls, being like, I didn't do my homework. I don't know why I'm here. I would always do sharing about where I was in life. And this crew was just so comforting of like, you're on your way. But I realized there's a reason why I have nothing for implementation or revisioning for this circle because this is not my priority. The farm was coming. The transition was looming. We were going to move at the end of the summer. And I needed to, this was like last January, a year ago, I needed to focus on my first home, my body. So I made it my focus. And this is a moment to say, yes, massive, massive privilege to be able to go see medical professionals of various sorts, Western doctors, Eastern doctors, naturopaths. I got so much blood work, acupuncture, weekly chiropractor. And I really took a deep look at a lot of the things that I was experiencing in my body. I'm going to be kind of vague about it 
because it just feels like really personal. And I find when I talk about body stuff, I get like a barrage of people's opinions. <laughs> but if you follow me on Instagram, I did share more about it. But what can I share that feels comfortable? I had like pretty severe body pain and um, a knee issue. I had really bad tech neck where my I just had such intense neck pain and I got an x-ray that showed my my head, my skull was like two centimeters ahead of my, like jutted forward of my spine. I got blood work and got pretty scary diagnoses of an autoimmune disorder and was just on the track to diabetes. A bunch of other stuff was also diagnosed. And so I just made it my focus. And that was really hard to choose. Being a mother, only having so much childcare during the day, wanting to work on my business for either workaholic avoidance reasons or purpose-driven, it's for me, sacred devotion reasons. They go back and forth sometimes. I really had to focus on weekly and daily care of my body, which is monotonous, stretches, appointments, supplements, like medications, food. It's a lot when I like just want to do the fun things. And I'm really, really proud to say that a lot shifted for me. I'm, this is not like a zero to a hundred, like unwell to well story. Certainly I'm going to be contending with things in my body for the rest of my life. One of the big ones is fatigue, but I I'm doing a lot better. I cleared my sleep apnea. My blood work is reversed for my A1C, if someone's interested in that. And my knee pain is just so much better. Um, still contending with other things. Oh, I reversed my tech neck. I said I wasn't going to say these things, but I feel really proud. I feel really, really proud of all of that because that shows my priority and my care. So at the end of the year, I met with this circle of creatrixes at the end of the year, and we went around the circle, it's on Zoom, and everyone sort of said their wins for the year. And I was like dreading going. I went last because I was like, I, I didn't accomplish anything. I guess I created circle craft. Y'all, I'm being kind of like, hello, I accomplished circle craft. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of what I created with circle craft and what is coming up this year too. So Yeah. I have this thing where I forget what I do and what I've done. It's like an amnesia thing. And then I remembered all my health wins and I shared everything. And that's it's pretty it's pretty tender for me to talk about my body. I'm sure some of you can relate, mostly because I haven't had the best experience in medical care. Uh, my body's been various different sizes. I've felt like I've been treated differently at different sizes and everyone's got opinions, but I shared it all. And what I received in return was like jaws on the floor of like, oh my gosh, Becca, this is, this is to be massively celebrated, massively celebrated. And I just thought, right, whole body, whole being. This is a part of my mission and my vision for us is to include our bodies, our animal bodies in the conversation. And so I just had a major, major integration of that thing I teach in my own life. 
And it was good because it was strengthening me. I also worked with a personal trainer. I started lifting weights in a more intense way after doing CrossFit and burning out and having a bunch of miscarriages and all these things and being like, oh, I can't work out hard. Got back into strength. And it all prepared me for the move that we did in um, the fall that really pushed us, pushed me intensely, pushed my child to the brink. And I showed up the best I can. And I wonder how I could have shown up if I didn't do all that tending to my body in the way I did. And I'm just so proud of myself. I really am. So there you go. The three lessons I learned over the last year in 2023. But I know y'all are listening in different time and space. That's the beauty of podcasts. So thank you for listening to my story and what I went through. And here I am on the other side. Again, I don't want to be like, and I'm all fixed and I totally feel amazing about how I spend my days and my capacity is limitless and um, everything's fine in my health. And no, there's definitely still inhale and exhale, wax and wane, winter and summer, hard days and easier days. But I feel really proud of the way I integrated those lessons. So I share them with you for whatever it brings up in you. Thank you for listening. I always appreciate when people share. So I share that with you. All right. I got to run. My kid's waking up from nap. My tea is getting cold. I will see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. In a time when our attention is being pulled in so many directions, I feel honored you chose to devote some of yours here with me. If you want to check out show notes or listen to past episodes, go to belongingpodcast.com. And if you like what we talk about here and want to know more, you can subscribe to my newsletter at beccapiastrelli.com. I'll be with you again soon.